You're listening to Spare Change Podcast, your podcast for global economics, personal finance, and investing. Remember, finance knows no limits. In today's episode, I discuss BRICS versus the U.S. economy and what it means for the average consumer. Hello and welcome to Spare Change Podcast. Probably a long time in no see because it's been about three months since the last episode. Well, in that time, there have been a number of things that have changed for me. So the last episodes were around the time of April of 2023. And if you're looking at me now, I've grown a lot more hair, both on my face and on my head. Uh, and also, um, I've changed jobs and now I'm doing something that's more full-time and has consumed a lot of my time compared to what I was doing while I was running the podcast on a weekly basis. Um, not to say that there weren't opportunities to continue recording, but I didn't have my full focus on this. One of the things that brought me back in is a conversation that I had with my wife. And that conversation was about the current global economic uh, status between NATO countries and non-NATO countries. Um, if you're unfamiliar, the term NATO is North American Trade Organization. And what that means is basically anyone who is tied within that community relies on the North American economy and the U.S. economy to kind of operate and trade and do their commerce and import-export globally. Um, one of the things that is important about that is that Without it, and without all these alliances and trade deals, the U.S. dollar is significantly weaker. Um, and as countries come into NATO or leave NATO, what that can do is weaken the value of the U.S. dollar and thus weaken the buying power, spending power of American and NATO allied countries. One of the things that has developed recently within the last month or so is something called BRICS, which stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South America or South Africa. Sorry. Um, this is important because if that alliance grows, um, and it currently has been we'll start to see some, you know, imbalance in NATO and in other U.S. dollar-reliant economic, uh, like, trade circles. So, globally, it's important to measure, you know, like, who are the countries that my country depends on, who's the countries that your country depends on, why are we partnered with so-and-so but not with, you know, Let's say, why is the U.S. not partnered with XYZ countries, you know, and a lot of the reasons, whether political or strictly economic, um, 
don't really come across the minds of the everyday consumer. And I think that's why this isn't being talked about as heavily. Um, I know in my circles, a lot of the financial community that I communicate with, they're more focused on like individual personal finance, right? Well, that's great. And it's great to learn about, you know, credit, how to manage your money, how to spend wisely, how to save and invest. But also it's important to know what is impacting your dollar on a day-to-day basis, on a week to month, a year, like no matter what you do, there's always an outside vote, right? So if you think that the dollar is just going to continue to go as is and never be interrupted or challenged, bad news. Um, so if I was, you know, running a lemonade stand and then someone else is running a lemonade stand, but we're in the same area, someone's going to have the larger market share. Um, and without, you know, competition, I'd argue that it's an unhealthy economy, but also you have to take into account, you know, this isn't lemonade stands. This is global conflict, global political boundaries, global, you know, when, when the U S sanctions people, like when, when we went after Russia, you know, based on their involvement in Ukraine and saying, Hey, well, since you're invading Ukraine, now you can't access bank accounts. You can't access credit cards. You can't access this, this, and this, um, in the same vein, there are, countries sponsoring either hackers or you know uh negative impacts to the US dollar they they're like okay well this country this country and this country will help me avoid sanctions they'll help me get around some of the negative impacts that the US and its allies have brought on to our economy and that's kind of how um I did misspeak on the definition of NATO I was uh looking up and down here but um it's the north atlantic treaty organization not north american trade organization regardless um there there's a strong economic tie between nato countries and also looking overall like broad scope um the entirety of the north american free trade like we are tied in so many countries and that's why the u.s dollar is so strong is because it's more of a global currency than it is you know a single country um now with previous episodes i've talked about central bank digital currency cbdc and what it means for everyday consumers like if i was to tell you hey you're only allowed to utilize this currency in this country and that's because that's all we're going to allow people to purchase with okay great but now you're limiting accessibility now you're limiting uh, that that commerce in between nations and it really becomes a restriction more than it is you know an asset or a tool and uh i've kind of taken a more negative stance towards cbdc and what that can look like on a broader level. So 
let's say every country starts developing, you know, okay, this is the block of currencies that we're going to allow people to trade on. And if they're not trading in something that communicates with this country's dollars or our digital currency, and we're heavily regulating all purchases in and out of the country, and it has to be done with our currency. Okay, well, now we're cutting off you know, trade routes. We're cutting off logistics and communications between countries because I don't want to use your dollar. I want to use my dollar. But your country are like none of the countries that you work with are accepting my dollar now because why? Um, the more we restrict our economy, the more we limit ourselves to either certain currencies or certain groups, I think it's a hindrance to um, like bottom line consumers. I think anyone who is working a nine to five, anyone who works not for themselves is going to be hit in the hardest way possible. And that's because one, not everybody likes change. Not everybody's going to adapt as quickly as, you know, everyone who's trying to implement these policies would love to believe it's going to take a lot of time. And I don't think people trust digital currency in the same way that is perceived by like, you know, densely populated cities like New York, Los Angeles, like it's great for them because they have accessibility, but everywhere else, like, in communities where we haven't even touched like very basic technological advances. Like, you know, you don't see Tesla's, you don't, I'm lucky to have a stoplight where I'm from. You know what I mean? So it's difficult for some people to wrap their minds around. Okay. Well now we're all on this digital currency, whether forced or not forced upon everyone through like distribution and legal limitations. But the amount of control the governments are starting to have over currency is concerning, but also is it going to be a beneficial tool or is it going to be detrimental to everyone? And we have to be very careful not to shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, this is again, just my take, but with the BRICS collaboration between Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and all of the new countries they're trying to add and bring under their wing. And then you have, you know, NAFTA and NATO. They're trying to, you know, control the way the U.S. dollar influences and um, communicates between countries. You know, there's so much that can be said and done about improving trade relations and geopolitical economics. Um but at some point, there's one race and it's the human race. And if we're not communicating and we're not, you know, agreeing that things have X value and instead we're tearing each other apart and, you know, your country's dollar shouldn't be worth as much as it is now. And we're going to do our own thing versus, you know, what it's been always, which is as free and open as possible and then limiting, you know, in more dire situations. 
and living in a country where many people aren't even banked. We we can't even agree that we should all, you know, it's hard to trust a new dollar currency being distributed by banks or being distributed by governments or employers when you're also in a situation where people don't even trust their money in a bank because we're still not out of the woods on bank collapses. We're still not out of the woods on, you know, securing the money that we want to put aside for business ventures and economic development. And we're still not out of the woods on being able to effectively work together. And there's a federal government shutdown on the way. And I haven't even delved into that realm of um, the limitations of our government and how incapable we can be sometimes of, you know, paying our workers whether that's the federal government or it's a small business, there are so many issues with the current economy and the way that things work. And we're trying to do so many new things that we might just be putting our leg in the bear trap and expecting it not to go off. Um, And again, these are all my takes. So if someone has more knowledge and they would love to discuss it, I'm open to that. I just believe that there's a lot more than meets the eye when it comes to central bank digital currencies, uh, global digital currencies, and these little economic games that we play between countries to either weaken or strengthen an entire nation's economy. So keep your eyes open. And uh, that's all for now. Hope uh, that everyone was able to learn something. Hope this discussion was interesting. And I hope you have a great day. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Spare Change Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, follow, and share. And remember, finance knows no limits.